share a story idea. Why should we do this now? What is new about it? And what is next? Like you have to have that new now next factor to make it newsworthy. Mm, okay. Another thing that you can do, and this is going to be like your low hanging fruit, is look at what's trending nationally or locally. If it's something happening nationally, how can you localize it? Today's show is sponsored by WinTheHourWinTheDay.com, where we help you, the entrepreneur, stop working so hard. Check us out, WinTheHourWinTheDay.com. Hey, entrepreneurs, are you going full speed just trying to keep up? For years, I was always rushing to get to the next thing. There was always something that I needed to learn before the thing I actually needed to learn. So the big question is, how do you stop the craziness? How do you get to your next win? Well, this podcast will give you the answer. Get quicker, faster results, no fluff, and get to your next win now. Would you like to know how to get time back so you can get to the real work? Take our win time back quiz. It's been designed to show entrepreneurs just like you, your blind spots. And really it's awesome because it totally provides instant actionable steps on how to improve. It takes less than two minutes. It's free and you receive customized results instantly, instantly. Check it out. The link is in our show notes. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Win the Hour, Win the Day. And I am your host, Chris Ward, and I'm super excited to have Christina Nicholson in the house. She is going to talk to us about PR, but it's going to be a game changer. Let's dive right into it because it's a whole different kettle of fish than what you think of. Welcome to the show, Christina. Thank you for having me, Chris. I'm excited to chat with you. I love talking about PR, and I think for so many people, PR sounds, I know for quite some time, I thought it meant, okay, once you achieved a certain amount of status or you're an influencer and you're important, then you have this PR person. I didn't understand that it is the tool to give social proof, to give you influence, to give you access so that you uh, more people can see the magic of what you do, and that we should all be using PR like right from the get-go, not waiting till we get to some sort of status, correct? Yeah. Like I didn't even realize this was a mindset people had mm -hmm. until I launched my media mentoring program. So I have the agency that does everything for you, but then I had people reaching out to me like, okay, I want this, but I can't afford an agency. And so many people would say, oh, I'm not ready. And this is why I'm not ready. And I'm like, whoa, this is how you get clients. This is how people get to know about you. So they join your email list. So they follow you on social. So they email you. Yeah. Like, I think that's just the perception of media. Like, like you see people there and you're like, oh, they're only there because they're a big deal. They have a big company. They have a public relations agency. They have a big team, yada, yada. No, that's how you get all yes. of this Yes, yeah, so we didn't get that. I thought it was like the fanfare. Like now the parade comes because you, you have earned some sort of social status or influence, but that's how you get it. The PR is the train to there. And I didn't understand that for what eat it up now, but I didn't understand it before. So let's back up for a second. I'm not a big proponent of the whole, tell us your backstory. Cause I'm like, I just want to get to the good stuff. So does my audience. But what makes you really super unique at PR is that I used to be so annoyed by publicists and I did not want to work with them because I was on the receiving end of all of their pitches as a TV reporter and anchor. And most of their pitches were terrible. 
they clearly had no idea what we did in a newsroom. So after I had a couple of kids and I wanted a more flexible schedule, I left TV, got a job at a PR agency. I was only there for six months because I had the worst boss ever. And then I went off on my own, fast forward eight years, and we are here and I am pitching the media from the perspective of a TV reporter and anchor. And I'm teaching small business owners how to do that themselves as well. Yeah. And that is fascinating to me because now having a podcast and we're very lucky people, a podcast has been well-received. We've got almost a, we're like 10, 10 away from a thousand five-star reviews. So we're super lucky and I get pitched a lot. Now I do still do pitching. I still want to be in other podcasts when I'm talking about how to win back time and scale your business in less time, get 25 hours back a week within the first month of working with us, all that stuff. And people want to offer me their services. We'll get you a more podcast or then they pitch me. And I have to say they do a horrible job of it. It's dry. It's boring. It's a formula. You can see it. Um, and I have a very unique way of doing my pitch where I get a lot of compliments on it and I get indoors that people tell me all the time, Hey, we would normally don't deal with that or people at maybe even at my level, but because your pitch was so good. So it is a game changer. It's a game changer. So let's talk about, first of all, we're all used to saying, okay, podcast, be a guest in podcast. That's fantastic. But something I think that's being neglected, and I used to lean into this back in the day, is local TV. And that's still something I think that we're overlooking. And you mentioned that as well. So how does that work with local TV and where do we start? Yeah. So I think when it comes to TV, like you said, there's a million different forms of media. I think when it comes to TV, it is the most intimidating to people. But for that reason, it's also where you get the most credibility. There's so much that you mm. can do to leverage a TV appearance. And I think regardless of where you live, you can 100% get a spot on TV, whether you have a small market or a big market. I worked with somebody in my media mentoring program and she lives in Denver. Colorado, which is a pretty big TV market. And first time she's ever been on TV. And now she's like a regular. She goes on like once a month to talk about her expertise. So I think where you start, like from the very beginning, first, you need to come up with good ideas. And there's a couple of ways to do that. One is enterprising ideas where you're really just coming up with them on your own. This is what we did in TV. Every morning we would have to go to a meeting and we would have to share story ideas, like pretend nothing else is going on in the world, share a story idea. Why should we do this now? What is new about it? And what is next? Like you have to have that new now next factor to make it mm, newsworthy. Okay. And then another thing that you can do, and this is going to be like your low hanging fruit is look at what's trending nationally or locally. If it's something happening nationally, how can you localize it? I remember there were so many times when I worked in TV. For example, when Corey Monteith died, he was a character on Glee and he overdosed on heroin yes. years ago. And we did a story, obviously everybody's already talking about it. It's gonna be covered, but how do we localize that story? We got somebody in South Florida who was a specialist in addiction. And he talked about how heroin was a drug of the eighties and it's coming back now. And so that is a local expert jumping on what's happening nationally to get that local coverage. So you gotta think this guy just earned coverage, potentially seen by millions of people it's getting on our website. He's getting a backlink. It's going to be shared on our social media. And then he can even take that TV clip 
and turn it into an ad on social media, put it on his website, put it on his marketing materials. There's so much that you can do, but the first thing you have to do is have a great story idea. And then after you ace that publicity on the first time, you can turn that into a recurring role like once a month on your local TV okay. station. I'm tingling all over. I'm getting me all hopped up here. I'm really excited <laughs> because, okay, first of all, I want to highlight what you said, new, now, next. That's just mm -hmm. really clear, really powerful. What's new, what's now, what's next. Okay, so everyone write that down. That's really poignant. New, now, next. Okay, the other thing I'm thinking of too is I live in a remote area Look out the window. There's some very friendly looking cows across the street. Okay. Of course they're <laughs> so, friendly. They're Canadian cows. Yeah, they're Canadian cows. So I now I used to live on the outskirts of Toronto, but now I live in a remote area. But with the whole craziness of the last few years in lockdown, so I there's really no local market here for me where there was before. But I guess with the, how everything's changed, I could be doing Zoom interviews on local TV shows. That's still an option for me, correct? Yeah, that is something like if there's silver linings in COVID, that mm. is one of the things is we were open to the idea like, oh, we can talk to anybody, anytime, anywhere. And for what you talk about, Chris, it's not necessarily spe specific to a location. No. So you could be on any TV station in any market at any time. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't think about. Like it's not just going into your TV station to sit on a weekend morning and do your live three-minute segment, you could be interviewed for any story at any time, both locally and nationally, because of the internet. Yeah, and because now I'm thinking, like, I have been working, one of the strengths, the pillars to what we do is helping people have outsources and build a team that they can afford, but the foundation be underneath that is completely different than how the corporate world works, because they're, it's a very parentified system. You hire someone, you check on their work, like a parent, child, teacher, student, and that creates a new job. And that's why small business entrepreneurs like, I don't have time to hire. I don't, I can't do my work. It's just quicker for me to do it myself. And I'm like, ah, they should be managing you if you got things in play, right? So why I say that is I could be speaking to the whole, now that we're moving towards a virtual offices and how do you manage teams like that? And all the stuff that I've been doing for 10 years now lends itself to, because I said, when this all started, I said, this is going to be like wartime when the women went off and took the men's jobs and they came back there was a whole shift in the marketplace. And I said, there's going to be a whole shift. They're going to realize that this is very expensive and that people can work virtually. It's all computers anyways. Gone are the days where you hand a piece of paper to your boss and said, is this right? That's not a thing. So I wasn't even thinking that. So I could be tapping into the bigger conversation, even though my market is entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter because then I become an authority and get some PR press that I can lend itself to my small business community. Exactly. And not okay. only that, but look at how many stories have been done about quiet quitting. I feel like when it comes to quiet quitting, that's something that you could also jump on. When you see numbers in the job market, like right now, we have a lot of people making layoffs in companies. So then maybe people are going to start their own business because they've just been laid off. I mean, we saw that during COVID. A lot of people got yeah. laid off and they were like, I'm going to start my own business. The quiet quitting, that's because people want flexibility. They want their time back. Mm -hmm. So there's so many things, Chris. Like I feel like with you, you wouldn't even need to really enterprise story ideas. Just see what's trending in the career market and you could lend your two cents and add some color to those data and that statistics. And you would just be like on TV everywhere all the time.
But see, you know where our fault, my faulty thinking would have been until you, because I think we've had other PR people on them on here. And I think every one of them brought some magic, but I think yours is even more powerful. It's clarity where I would have got stuck on that. Ah, but I deal with small business owners. I'm super passionate about them having a business that supports a life, not consuming it, having fun, all that stuff. Right. And we're not here to grind it out. So then I would have thought, oh, if I'm on all these local TV shows, like as if that's my problem I don't have right now, but if I'm on TV talking to enterprise or what's happening there, they're not my people. And my people are listening to podcasts or doing this. They're not listening to those TV shows. They don't have time for TV. So I would have thought I would be pulling away from it, not understanding that I'm just lending, I'm borrowing that authority and then I can bring it anywhere. Does that make I sense think, to you? I understand what you're saying. I think maybe... It's overthinking a little bit. Oh, yes. That resembles me very much. But what I'm telling you, (laughs) I resemble that. So what I'm saying to you, I agree with you now. You're exciting me that it is so much more accessible, is so much more powerful. But like at the the beginning of the conversation, I think a lot of people for the long time thought PR is something you got when you became, quote unquote, important. And then I think that for me, and I can't be the only one that got lost in this path was thinking, oh, but I can't get getting on that show either. They're not my market and they won't want me. Or if they do want me, it's not, I'm not speaking to my market. But what you're saying is it is the social proof. Who cares what show you're on about anything? And there, there could be overlap. Every single media outlet can serve you a different purpose. Mm. So yes, it could be the social proof. It could be something you leverage later or you could tweak your talking points a little bit. So even if the story we're jumping on, like these big companies making layoffs, you don't know that those people laid off, they could be watching and they could be starting mm-hmm. their own business or right. they could be getting jobs at smaller. Like you don't know a hundred percent who's watching. I once got a client in a website called Trend Hunter and they had a product and they were focusing on moms. And I remember the client wasn't like too excited about it, but a producer for the Rachel Ray show saw it. And they were like, oh, Uh, we can include this in one of our segments for our mom lab. And that led to them getting coverage on the Rachel Ray show because a producer uh, there saw it. So there's so much that can happen that you don't even know. And if you can speak to that topic, there's no reason why you shouldn't. Wow. Okay. You keep talking because I'm over here just fantasizing about different things I could do. (laughs) I left the interview and I'm just like, okay, (laughs) I got to go. I got to go to the possibilities are. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So I think it's really exciting. And I think probably, would you not argue, Christina, that heaven help us, especially small business community, that we, this is something that we're missing out on. Like, I think there's huge opportunities here that we're just not even talking about. A hundred percent. And I think it's for a couple of reasons. One, people have the mindset that they're not ready. So I hope by now we have squashed that. Okay. If you're ready for a new customer, a new client, a new sale, a new email on your list, then you're ready for this. And two, people just don't know where to start. So that's why like, I do what I do. Okay. Let me help you get started. You just have to do it. Stop making excuses. This is what you do step-by-step and just do it. Okay. So where would we start? Tell us the local TV shows. Tell us what are the misnomers there? Yeah. So when it comes to local TV, you just kind of have to understand like the show formats. Like you're not going to lead 
the news at 6 p.m. Like those are for no. like the harder news stories. Yeah. Look at what they're covering on the weekend mornings. Look okay. at what they're covering on the weekday mornings and okay. on the afternoon shows. Because that's when things are softer. That's when they can bring in guests to chat. That's when they also have a little bit more time to be a little bit more creative. So mm -hmm. those are the newscasts that you're going to want to pitch. And again, you're going to have your idea. Hopefully you're jumping on something that's trendy that people are already talking about. Prove it's newsworthy. And it's not just you trying to promote yourself. That's probably the biggest mistake people make okay. you when you receive the pitches to be on the podcast. So you definitely want to do that. So as far as who to contact and how to get their information, journalists are on Twitter. So okay. look yeah. on Twitter a hundred percent. And then also go to that TV station's website and they always have a news team page. They have an about page. They have a contact page. And I would suggest looking, watching the news and seeing, okay, who are the anchors of the morning shows? Who's anchoring the afternoon shows? And then you also have the contact information for the TV station. And many times it's the generic one. Just let us know about news, whatever. Mm -hmm. But put in your subject line, like 9 a.m. weekday show. And then they will forward it to that producer or they know what show you're pitching. So, you know, it doesn't get lost in the shuffle of people mm. who don't know that information. That's a good tip. Okay. And then when you do that, we write a little email because we know we don't want to send attachments. They're not going to open them, stuff like that. Can Could I, in my case, could I have a, I, sometimes what I have is I use Bomb and there's a video in there that it, it's not a link, it's a video and it's even got a gift. There's movement to it. And sometimes I even hold up the person's name. Is that too creative or they just want to read really quickly? They don't have time to open an email. I would say they want to read really quickly. Okay just because they get so many emails gotcha. and you want to be short, sweet and to the point, like the days of pitching with press releases has been over yes. for years. People like it's right. not the seventies or eighties. Don't send a long, boring press release. Instead it's, Hey, if you're talking about this, I'd love to come in and add X, Y, Z. I'm a local, like the fact that you're a local person is what's going to make you stand out. If you are pitching locally, if you're not pitching locally, then don't worry about that. Just say where you're based. And again, why you are the person to talk to about this, like specifically why you, what makes you different and don't be afraid to get super specific. This is another mistake people make is they'll keep it so generic. Yes. It's, Those are the ones I get. I don't know yeah. what you do. They're so generic. And I bet you some of these people and they're coming from PR companies. I bet you do have something to offer my show, but you're trying to cover all the bases and send these to a hundred people. And so I don't know what you offer. It's so vague. I'm not interested because it's too vague. Yeah. Like you can't visualize no. what that interview is going to be about. You don't know what your audience is going to take away because you're just saying stuff that everybody else has heard before. If you're pitching, Chris, okay, give me an example. Cause you say your podcast pitch is the bomb. What do you do when you pitch other podcasts that makes it so different from everybody else who does what you do? Okay. Here's what I do, which is not going to fall into your formula, but let me add to what you just said for a quick second is I also think something I learned along the way, which goes against what we would think is you try to write these emails or whatever and sound so professional, but the example you just give, Hey, if you're talking about this, I'm your answer, like to the point, cut it down to the bare bones instead of all this flowery stuff. And I used to think you throw your shoulders back and try to sound professional, but no, that you want to have a, a meaty conversation with someone who's busy get to it. So I think that's a big takeaway that everyone should pay attention to. For me, what I do is I do my homework. So I'm going to check out the podcast. I'm going to listen. And then I just, I say this here. Hey, so, hey, Steve, so super excited. I was so thrilled. I tripped across your podcast. 
Actually, that's not what I say. I have a dollar scripted. Hi, Chris Ward here. And what I'm about to say, I think has a lot of weight to it because I would describe myself as a podcast junkie. Christina, when I tripped across your podcast, I think I ate up three or four episodes before I said, Chris, you need to move on with your day. And some of the things I noticed, and then I will give them a couple of compliments about things that they do. And I said, you know what? It's really just like, easy learning, or I'll say something and I, and they're sincere what I say. And then I say, as I was listening, I thought you and I could have a really meaty conversation. I've actually written this book when the hour, when the day, and if included my backstory below, people tell me all the time, there's a lot more depth and scope to this than they originally understood. And I think it would really lean in to your bigger messaging. Now I sped that up. I do it a little bit better and it's a little bit softer, but I'm complimenting them. I'm showing them I've done my homework. I'm showing them my personality. I'm saying I'm going to over deliver for their audience and that it would lean into their messaging. And that seems to be very well received. Yeah, I love that. I love that because they're getting an idea of what the interview is going to look like. And it's the same for TV. I have, I had a mentoring client who got a local segment on TV in San Diego. Again, huge market, first time on TV. And we pitched around the fall. This was us enterprising an idea. What are people talking about in the fall? Back to school. So we put together a back to school pitch. And in that pitch, she had five different talking points and they were very visual because if she's going to come in the morning and talk about packing a lunch for your kid to go back to school, then she's going to bring some food. We're going to put it on a table. We're going to set it up nice and pretty. And she did that. She included that. And she said that, you know, what makes her different? She's not just a dietitian, but she specializes in working with parents who have kids who are picky eaters. And then she shared some mm. stats, some stats and some data that talked about like how many picky eaters there are, how it affects them, anxiety, all of the things. She literally sent that like on a Monday, Wednesday, they got back to her and they're like, hey, we want you to come in next week. And it was booked. That is a really great example on what I would think is the most over-talked about mundane topic ever. It's back to school, we're packing lunches. What can we do differently? Okay, you know what I mean? And who's gonna, I I think if I had your job or I was at the on the TV show, I'd be like, oh back to school. How can we make bologna sandwiches or peanut butter and jam sound interesting again? Exactly. Because so you I know think, they're going to cover it. Yeah. But what you did, I totally get it now. Okay. That's awesome. All right. Let me get out of your way. Continue. Throw us some more of your wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just one example of the back to school thing. Cause they're going to cover back to school. Again, what is a different angle? What is a different take? Like a chiropractor could do like the weight of the backpack, how to distribute the weight, what to put in the backpack, what not to put in the backpack. I mean, there's just so many different angles. And mm -hmm. that's why I say looking at something that's happening locally or nationally, that's your low hanging fruit. Like what's already being discussed. And how can you put your spin on it? And it could be almost anything. Like even with you, Chris, like I talked about the career field, what's happening with women in business. So here's another example. I was working with Jessica Stansberry, who's a big YouTuber, helps women build businesses from home. She was in my media mentoring program. And I said, okay, what you do is cool, but we can't just pitch what you do. That's too promotional. So we went to Google and we typed in moms making money from home. And then we filtered two things. One was the news tab. So we're only looking for news stories. And the other was the last month. So we're only going to see news stories that happened in the last month. And we found a news story. It, it had, again, data and statistics. And it said four out of 10 breadwinners are moms. So I said, okay, perfect. We will use this as our pitch. Like this is something in the news. Four out of 10 breadwinners in the home are moms. Here we have a local mom in Charlotte, North Carolina, again, never been on TV before, 
getting on TV in a huge market mm. because she's a local person who helps people become the breadwinners in their home. So here's a local person just adding some local context, adding some color to these stories, making it more conversational instead of just those data and statistics. So we pitched that story and I think she holds the record. We literally had our first conversation 9 a.m. on Monday. By noon, she was booked with that pitch, with that angle on TV in Charlotte. I think another thing you do amazingly well, because I've talked to a lot of PRs, people, because it has, once I understood the concept, it really did start to interest me, interest me. And I think that it's overlooked and misunderstood by so many small business owners and entrepreneurs. But a lot of what I hear, and I know there's some truth to this, but a lot of what I hear is, okay, you go on Twitter and we find out how to find out that the journalists are here and whatever, and then start building relationships and like their stuff and all this. And then that, and I get, there is strength to that. And that is a great supportive program, but it seemed like a new job. And it seemed like a telling somebody every day at school that they're pretty and eventually two years from now, they'll be your friend or something, right? So what yours seems to be far more strategic and there seems to be a plan so that you can be proactive with it and navigate through it within some element of how much you put into it is how much you're going to get out versus just hoping to like somebody. There's relationship building and that has its element, but that's not the only payoff there. It's just like in any business and anything you do in life relationships help you. Yeah, they help. I have relationships with a ton of people who work at a bunch of local and national stations. That doesn't mean they're going to cover whatever I pitch them. Right. At the end of the day, if your pitch sucks, it doesn't matter about what your relationship with the person is. It doesn't matter if they're your best friend. If yeah. your pitch is bad, your pitch is bad. So if, as long as you have a good story to tell and you have a good pitch, honestly, the relationship takes a back seat. Okay, okay. All right, so we can pitch TV. We just have a couple minutes left. I think another thing that's often ignored is the potential of blogs. That seems like a whole different thing, especially if you're writing to say, can I write? Yeah, so I feel like a lot of people want to get that online exposure and we keep talking about pitching, but like a way to almost guarantee consistent coverage on a regular basis is by being a contributor to an online outlet. So for example, I wrote one article a week for Inc. Magazine for two years. And some people will say, oh, you're working for Inc. for free. Okay, but I'm also, I'm not spending money on ads. I am in mm. Inc. Magazine once a week and I am taking that article that I write, I'm sharing it on my social media. And then people on LinkedIn would be like, oh, you're in Inc. You write for Inc. I want to write for Inc. I want to get an Inc. How do I get in there? And then that leads to a sales conversation. So think of where, if you had all the money in the world, where would you want to pay to advertise? Instead of advertising there, figure out a way to get featured in there. And even better, if they're accepting contributors, become a contributor and you are writing about your expertise maybe on a weekly basis. And then another amazing benefit to writing for an outlet is it opens the door for you to interview so many people. So if I said, hey, I wanna interview you for my blog, they're not gonna be interested. But if I say, hey, I wanna interview you for Inc. Magazine, they wanna be in Inc. Magazine. So I get to meet some pretty cool people and build relationships with some influential people that I can, again, share on social media, tag them, then they share it, then their audience sees that they shared something that I wrote about them. And then their audience becomes my audience. Like so many ways you can leverage being a contributor to websites. So I didn't know, I guess I thought, 
I don't know. I guess they thought somebody knocked on your door and blessed you with a star and found you again, not understanding the PR. I guess I assume these people in ink were pursued by ink or something. I, when you talk about blogging, I think, okay, how do I get on a parallel blog of somebody's website that whatever is it been in business five years or at my level per se. So I didn't even think about that as pursuing larger outlets, trying to be a contributor, happy to do it for free and would have saw it as a luxury. Just didn't even know that was a route. Oh my gosh. Yes. Because you yeah. got to think these outlets, they like right now, especially they just need content. They need to right. push out so much content on a regular basis that they are happy to get an yeah. expert to write for them for free. People yeah. are even paying, which I don't suggest this. This is a whole other conversation, Yeah. but there's things like the Forbes coaches council and yeah. the entrepreneur leadership network where people will pay them to write for them. That's just another form of advertising. I don't suggest doing that because you don't have to do it like that. Yeah, and yeah. you lose your credibility when you pay to be in a place. Yeah, 100%. Oh my gosh, I could talk to you all day, Christina. Seriously, <laughs> Christina, where can people find more of your brilliance? Thank you. If you want to become a contributor, visit 16places.com because at 16places.com, I put together a list of 16 high quality websites that are currently accepting contributors, what they want you to contribute about and the contact information of who you need to contact. So 16places.com will get you that. I also have my own podcast, Become a Media Maven. So you can oh. come listen to me. If you're not tired of hearing me talk, you can check out Become a Media Maven on the app. Okay. On social media, I am at Christina all day and I talk back if you talk to me. Okay. I'm going to check out all those resources and they'll be in the show notes. And you have been a blast. We so appreciate you here. And everyone else, we will see you in the next episode. That was fantastic. Hey guys, hop on over to freegiftfromchris.com. That's freegift, G-I-F-T, from Chris, K-R-I-S.com. We are constantly putting goodies in there so that you guys can have a business that supports your life instead of consuming it.